Good morning, Boker Tov. I want to thank our sponsors for this morning's Emunah Shir. Tvoranavi Orlan, in memory of their beloved daughter Miriam Esther Bas Avram Yitzchak. Behadas and Ross Summer, in memory of her beloved niece Nifar Bat Orit. Commemoration of her fifth year at site. Neshama should have, both their Neshama should have an Aliyah. Amen. Okay, we are um, still working on this piece by Revolbi. In the second Chelek, the second volume of Ali Shor, Shar and uh, his essay here on Tefillah Ubitachon. So we finished the first half. We're at the asterisk on page Tuf Kuf Tzadi. Everyone see where we are? Those who have a paper, there's more available here. In the first half, Revolb has developed the notion of Somech Gula Tefillah, the value of the idea of going directly from meditating, reflecting on Hashem's hand in our history to then beginning to make requests of Him for our destiny. That our Tefillah is empty. They're empty words. They're hot air if they're not informed and inspired by a profound belief and faith that Hashem is actually capable, and that He's listening, and that He cares, and that He acts. If we're just reading a script, if we're just getting through the words, reading a template, it's not meaningful. So therefore, by being Somech Gula Tefillah, based on the Rebbein Yonah, the Gemara Brachos, developed the idea that by being Somech Gula Tefillah, Gula is, I see in a very real way, a student of history, I see that Hashem's hand was guiding history. Nothing was fluke, nothing was random, nothing was chance. It was all Hashem's hand. And so too, when I make requests of Hashem now for what I need in the present, just like He responded in the past, so too I have faith and trust and belief that He will respond in the present and in the future. And Revolva developed the idea that the gym for Amuna is the sitter. You work out your muscles with weights and you work out your Amuna with davening. That's the place we work out our Amuna, is with, is with davening. The, um, I heard this past Shabbos, Rabbi Ali Marcus of uh, Reshit quoted Rav Cook, who said that, very interesting, he said, you know, if you want to know how your finances are, you go to a financial advisor, you go to an accountant, and they look at your numbers, they look at your books, and they can tell you how financially stable you are. If you want to know how your health is, you go to a doctor, they take some blood, and they do an exam, and they tell you how your health is. In every area of life, there's an expert you can go to, there are tests and laboratories that can be done, and you can get the results to tell you how well you're doing. How do you know how well you're doing spiritually? How, well, how do you know how well you're doing in Amuna? So he said, Rav Cook apparently says, you open the sitter and you daven. Davening is the barometer, davening is the thermometer that tells you how well you're doing spiritually. If the davening is flowing, if it comes, if you walk away a changed person than when you came in, if you have a sense of faith, if you feel connected to the prayers that you're saying, if you believe there's someone on the other end listening, all of that tells you that your spiritual, your ruchnis is healthy, it's doing well. Tefillah is the barometer for our neshama. You go to the financial advisor, you go to the doctor, you go to the expert in every area. So the sitter is the expert in telling us how we are doing. So Revolbeer talked about that's the gym. That's where we work out the amuna muscle so that it can grow. So that when we need it, when you need to engage those muscles, you don't want to tear a muscle. I told you the story about the guy who survived a heart attack because of the Kaabach minion. He had been working out so he could keep up with the Kaabach minion in our shul. And uh, because he had been working out, he was well enough. So if you first wait to work out when you're going to have the catastrophic event, the crisis, you may not survive it. But if you've been working out in advance of it, when the crisis strikes, you're ready for it. It's true about a healthy marriage, it's true about your physical health, and it's true about your spiritual health. If you wait to grab the sitter to learn how to daven when you're in the foxhole where there's no atheists, you wait till there's a crisis and you're going to grab the sitter and you think you're going to daven then, but you don't know how to daven. And I don't mean you don't know how to say the words, I mean you don't know how to open up your heart. You don't know how to 
reflect and meditate. You don't know what his bodhidus is. You don't know what it means to talk to Hashem like he's your best friend. If you wait to develop those skills, if you wait to work out those muscles till you need them, it could be too late. And that's why it's important to keep them sharp even beforehand. And Revolba, we lastly concluded with binyan and smicha, planting and building. The idea of the building is strong. It has a strong foundation. It has structure. It's rigid. Whereas planting can grow wild, but it has creativity and it blossoms and it develops. And the need of the balance between the two, he talks about the particular in the area of education of our children, but it's true in the area of our emuna. It needs to have a strong foundation, it needs to have boundaries, it needs to have structure, but it also needs to be allowed to blossom and to, and to grow. Okay, that leads us all up to today. The second approach to how do we build bitachon, you have to build it. It doesn't just happen. People want, ah, oh, she has such faith. I wish I had that faith. Well, do you work on that faith? The people who have faith weren't born with that faith. Many or most of them work on it. It takes a lot of effort. When they're in that moment of anxiousness, of envy, of anger, of, of worry, of uncertainty, to stop and to have the discipline and the self-control and the focus, say, no, I believe. I'm taking a leap. I'm not worried. There's a reason. Things will work out. Who's that Kasher Yaakov Avinu Olav HaShalom Shama Abiyas Esav? When Yaakov hears, not this Parsha, but we're getting there, when Yaakov hears that Esav is coming to attack him, he doesn't, he's having a reunion with Esav, and he fears Esav's going to attack him. His Kenatzma L'Shlosh Dvarim. Yaakov prepares himself in three ways. L'Doron, he sends a gift. L'Tfila, he davens. L'Machama, and he girds himself for war. Right? This is what we do in modern times. Diplomacy, prayer, and getting ready for war. That's what's going on, our brothers and sisters in the south of Israel. So the diplomacy has yielded a supposed ceasefire. We'll see how long it lasts. But believe me, they're also preparing for war. And they and we are also davening. These are the three things when we anticipate a conflict, a confrontation, the three ways we react. We engage in diplomacy, try to resolve it that way. We're prepared for war, and we definitely have to pray. So Yaakov Avinu um, exerts effort, takes initiative in order to succeed in every way he can. So he makes sure that he's got weapons and in a well-trained army and an excellent strategy. He's prepared. But He's not satisfied with the natural initiative. The diplomacy, the gifts he sent, or Hachanas Machama, so Yaakov Avinu prepares himself with the perfect blend, which, by the way, where did he learn to do? Probably our parsha, when he has the dream about the ladder connecting heaven and earth. He realizes that the mission of our lives is to be that ladder, that bridge to connect heaven and earth. You can't exist too much in the heavens, nor can you be too firmly planted on earth. That our mission is to find the balance, the blend between the two, to be firmly planted on earth, to live in the physical world, and at the same time to have our head in the clouds, so to say, to also have access and to have experience of being in the heavens. So Yaakov understands that you have to live life with that blend, with that ladder, with that bridge between the two, and he prepares for his confrontation with Esav with those two. So he gets ready for war, he prepares shuttle diplomacy, he's got gifts that he's going to send, but at the same time he doesn't, he doesn't neglect preparing spiritually through prayer. When Yaakov's sons prepare the second time to go down to Egypt in order to get provisions and in order to save their brother Binyamin, 
so in Parshas Miketz, when Yaakov sends them back the second time, he says, bring gifts, write a nice thank you note, get ready to what you're going to say when you have an audience with the Viceroy of Egypt, but also may Hashem bless you. So you'll be all ready, you have everything you need, the only thing you're missing is tefillah, and I'm dominating for you. So you see twice that Yaakov, when he's ready to confront a challenge in his life, which Yaakov had no shortage of, he prepares both in the natural means, in the natural way. He does what's necessary. And he also finds the balance. He doesn't forget to pray. Gemara says this very explicitly. What do you do if you want to become rich? You work hard. You go to a good school. You get a good degree. You get a good job. You work hard. And you dive into the person who gives money. What do you do when you want a good shidduch? You want a baby? You... <coughs> Produce a nice resume, you hire a nice shadchan, you go on lovely dates, you find the right person, and don't forget to daven to the one who makes the zivugim. What do you do when you want good health? You go to the doctor, you go to the gym, the Gemara says explicitly that there is the balance. Many people fail in one direction, they take too much initiative and they have no faith. They think it's all entirely up to them. They take the credit when it goes right, and they blame natural circumstances when it goes wrong, and they see everything having to do with human initiative, the physical realm, and they don't see God as having any role. And other people fail in the opposite direction. Everything's up to God. I don't have to try hard. I don't have to work. I don't have to have ambition. I don't have to take responsibility. I don't have to be accountable. Because it's all up to Hashem. Everything's up to Hashem. Our derech, the proper derech, is the one that's right in between. The balanced, the Rambam's golden mean. It's to find that balance. We take the initiative as if it's all up to us. But we put our trust in Hashem as if it's all up to Him. So you're sick. You do what you need to do to get better. And you go to the doctor. You want to earn a livelihood. You have ambition and drive to work hard. But you believe that Hashem is the one who gives us whatever we need and whatever we deserve. Yaakov's methodology, Yaakov's path is to join nature with above nature. You can't succeed in the physical realm without davening. Prayer is the window, the key that opens the door. Kosh Baruch Hu has storehouses and storehouses and storehouses filled with bracha for us. And he wants to give it to us. But we've got to turn the lock and open the door. We have to open it in order to get that flow. Bracha milashon brecha. A bracha is a flow. In order to initiate that flow of blessing in our lives, we have to turn the key. And how do we turn the key? How do we turn the key? Tefillah, prayer, talking to him, asking him, expressing gratitude to him. That's how we turn the key. So through this, about Yaakov, we learn an additional method about how to uh, grow bitachon. And this is a Gemara in Mesechus Nida. So the men of Alexandria, Egypt, asked Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya three questions. And here's two of them. Ma yasa adam this is what I was mentioning. What does a person do to become wise? I want to be smart. I want to be wise. I want to have insight. I want to work on my memory. What do I need to do? So Amar Laham, Rabbi Shubhan Khanani says, Yarba b'yeshiva v'yemait b'schorah. Sit and read and learn and study. And v'yemait b'schorah. Stop being involved in all the haq, 
Stop running around. Don't be so social. Don't be on social media. Don't watch on Netflix. Don't be running around with business all day. Yarba be yeshiva. If you want to be wise, they have not yet invented a chip that you could download to your brain. You're not going to just be able to overnight, you know, uh, download um, terabytes of information into your head. If you want, you want to, you want to be a chacham, then yarba be yeshiva. You got to sit. You got to read. You got to learn. You got to study. So the men of Alexandria challenged Rabbi Shub and Hanani, and they said, what are you talking about? You've got study halls and study halls, but they medrash and libraries filled with people who sit and read and study all day long, and they're not wise. They're not particularly insightful. They're not particularly brilliant. They don't particularly have wisdom. So your suggestion doesn't work. So Allah, so he said, no. So he answered, no, no, because all they did was sit and read and study and learn. They forgot to do the other missing ingredient, which is to ask Hashem, to ask for compassion from the one who owns wisdom. You could do all the, taking all the right initiatives, do everything right, but in the end, it's up to Hashem to give. So, so why did it say learn, sit and learn in yeshiva? Why just skip that? If Hashem is the one who has storehouses of wisdom, and if you ask Him, He could grant it. So why do I have to sit and study and read? Why can't I skip that part and go directly to the Yavakshu, ask from the one who has it? So say, Hashem, I really like playing sports, and I really like running around, and I really like doing business, and I really like engaging socially, and I don't really like sitting and learning, or I don't really have time, or I don't really want to. But can you make me a Chacham anyway? <laughs> you can do anything, Hashem. You're all powerful. You have everything, all capable. So why can't I skip that other step and just go to the Yavak Shuracham in Mishach So the Gemara answers, Rabbi Shur ben Hanani tells these men of Alexandria, you know why? Because ha below ha lo One without the other doesn't work. It doesn't work. One without the other doesn't work. You need to do them in tandem. You need to do them in parallel. You need to do them in partnership. We have to do our initiative but our initiative is not enough. We have to ask Hashem, but asking Hashem while sitting passively on the couch is not enough. It's the combination of the two. They also asked him, the man of Alexandria, what can a person do to become wealthy? I want to be wealthy. So he said, so do a lot of work. Negotiate. Get out there in business. Network. Kill it. And also, do your business faithfully. Everyone who's trying hard in business to make a dollar. Everybody's trying hard to kill it. Everyone wants to be wealthy. So how could your answer just be, go to work? I want to be wealthy, what should I do? I saw on the news the billion dollar lottery ticket winner still hasn't uh, yeah. turned it in. Yeah. So he's running out of time though, whoever it is, he or she. Apparently. No, no, I saw they're running out of time. So, what should we do? The Gemara said, the men of Alexandria asked Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania, I want to be wealthy. And he says, so work hard. He said, work hard. You know how many people have tried to work hard and they're not making a lot of money? You know how many people go to work and kill it, kill themselves, and they don't kill it? Yeah. So he says, Oh yeah, yeah, one other thing. Don't forget to daven and ask Hashem for health, help in killing it. So my Kamash why do I have to then go to work? If Hashem is the one who can make me a billion dollar lottery winner, 
Why can't I skip the work, just buy the lottery ticket, and become the billionaire? Says the Gemara, ha ha lo sagi. Because it doesn't work. If all you do is go to work, a lot of people have tried that, haven't become wealthy. If all you do is passively sit at home and daven, you're not going to become wealthy. ha ha lo sagi. It's an amazing, amazing idea. So maybe you'll say, when it comes to money, it's so mundane, it's so profane, that you have to take your initiative. <coughs> you, you know, and, and I'm sorry, that you have to daven for it. Because you need to imbue it, you need to inject it with some spirituality, you have to daven. But Torah learning to become a chacham? I'm sitting and learning. Isn't that what Hashem wants? I have to daven for it? Isn't it obvious that if I'm sitting and getting through the Gemara, Rashi, Taisus, and the Rebchaim, and the Ketais, and I'm breaking my teeth over my learning, and I'm trying to become wise, isn't that enough evidence to Hashem on top of that I have to daven? It's enormous Chiddush of the Gemara. Yeah. You have to daven. You're struggling to get through the Tosos? You're struggling to remember what the rabbi says at the Amunashir any given week? By the next week, you forgot what he said the week before. You can't remember anything that you're learning. So it's not enough to be learning. It's not enough to be working on the learning. You've got to dive into Hashem. May I remember the learning? May I have insight from the learning? Can I break through and comprehend the learning? May I, re- may I retain the learning? It's not enough to be learning Hashem's Torah. Even in a religious activity, even a religious activity needs davening. You know what sometimes you need to daven for? Daven to Hashem, that you're able to daven to Hashem. One of the holiest tefillahs is to daven to Hashem, to be able to daven to Hashem. We all do it. I think I mentioned it a few weeks ago. We do it maybe without realizing we do it. Every time we daven, we daven, that we be able to daven. Hashem's fasai tiftach, ufi yagid tehilasecha. Before I start my conversation with you, Hashem, before I remind myself how great you are with three brachas, and then 13 things I have to ask of you, and then three ways I want to say thank you to you. But before I do any of that, I'm worried. I got a lot on my mind. I got a lot to do. There are a lot of distractions. I'm pretty exhausted and spent and tired and wasted. So I'm very worried that I'm going to stand here and try to talk to you. And it's an exercise in futility. I'm going to walk out no different than the way I walked in. And I'm not going to be present. And I'm not going to be connected. And I'm not going to be focused. And I'm not going to be enthusiastic. I'm worried. I got a lot to do. And I'm passing out. So what do I do before I daven? I daven that I have a successful davening. Hashem, open my lips. Let my mouth speak your praises. So who's the author of those words? I mentioned this a few weeks ago, apropos of forgetting everything I say. So David HaMelech, David HaMelech in Tehillim, when David HaMelech says, reflecting on the episode with Bacheva, when he says, Chatasi Lashem, I've sinned to you, God. Which we won't get into the episode with Bacheva, but David himself makes a confession, I've sinned admission, I've sinned to you, Hashem. And now he's worried. Hashem's going to have no interest in hearing from him. Have you ever disappointed someone so badly, you hurt somebody so deeply, that you don't even know how to begin the conversation? Or you're just in such a fight that you're just avoiding each other because no one knows what to say to get it started. You don't know how to begin to talk in order to resolve the conflict. So Hashem svasai tiftach. David says, Hashem, I, I want to reconnect with you. I don't even know what to say. Put the words in my mouth. Give me the right words to say to get this conversation started so that we can feel close once again. So we use his words when we have that same feeling. And when do we have that same feeling? Once a year, once a decade, once a month? Three times a day. Because in between each Amidah, we disappoint Hashem, we neglect Hashem, we forget Hashem, 
We do it our way instead of his way. We do what we want instead of what he wants. So how do we come back the next time? Shacharis, I had big plans for the day. Ooh, the sun is high in the sky. The day is filled with promise. This is going to be my day. By Mincha, I've blown it. So how do I come back to Hashem? Hashem Svasai Tiftach. Mincha, I had such big plans. Five minutes later, by Marv, I've already blown it. So Marv, Hashem Svasai Tiftach. So even our tefillah requires tefillah. You know what else requires tefillah sometimes? Amuna and Bitachon. It's very, it sounds paradoxical. Why would you daven if you're, not, if you're struggling with believing there's a God? Does it make sense to talk to that God? It's paradoxical. It's, it's really illogical. And yet it's magical. And it works. One of the great ways to break out of an Amuna struggle, an Amuna rut, is to daven to Hashem to have Amuna. It's kind of the Achar Peulos Nimshachalavavos. Sefer Achinach's entire thesis is that don't wait to be inspired and then act. Act and you'll be inspired. There's a Yiddish expression, which I don't know how to tell you in the Yiddish, that with the eating comes the appetite. With the eating comes the appetite. I'm on a, in the middle of a seven day eating whatever. So after binge, so after each meal you say, you know what, I'm done. Next one, I'm going to nibble, I'm going to sit out, I'm going to sit on the sidelines, I'm done. So every Yantif, every Pesach, you ever been to a Pesach program? You swear on a Sefer Torah, I'll never eat again the rest of my life. When they have to wheel you in a, in a wheelbarrow out of the meal, and I'll never ever eat again. And by the next meal, just a little taste, a little taste. Just, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a little taste. And with the eating comes the appetite. Just thought, you know what? So someone says, I'm not eating. No problem. No problem. Don't eat. Just taste this. You taste it. With the eating in life, it's a great Yiddish expression. With the eating comes the appetite. It applies within all area of our pleasure centers. That even when you think you're not in the mood, with the eating comes the appetite. Don't wait for the appetite and then you'll eat. Start eating and the appetite will come. Achara pa'ulos so the same is true so Sefer HaKinach says that's true with all of mitzvahs do the mitzvah and the inspiration will come don't wait to be inspired and then do the mitzvah so the same is true with emuna. Ha'emanti ki adaber Ha'emanti how do I get emuna? Ki adaber because I speak about emuna. when I say please God and thank God and with God's help Pe'ezrus Hashem Mirz Hashem Chaste Hashem not just as expressions but when I use when I, when I feel, when I talk about Amuna, Ha'amanti, why do I have Amuna? Ki adaber. Maybe I wasn't feeling it when I said, please God, thank God, with God's help. But when I said those things, I thought about it. And because I spoke about it, it yielded, the result was, I felt Amuna. So, start eating, start living with Amuna, and then, you'll see Hashem everywhere you look. you see Hashem everywhere you look. Don't wait to be inspired, don't wait for the appetite for faith, and then you'll have faith, Live with faith, and you'll have an appetite for more faith. Live with Hashem, and you'll see Him everywhere. So even to be, <clears throat> even for the schus, to acquire chachma, which again is a spiritual, you'd think, I don't need to daven, that in itself gufa is spiritual. The answer is no. Daven for your davening. Daven for your amuna. Daven for your Torah learning. Daven for everything. Someone 
He says, Ravobe, do you know how many great Tamidi Chachamim, do you know how many great scholars and righteous people we don't have that we could have had if only all those who are spending so much time learning would also daven for their learning? Sometimes they're so engaged in the davening that they're neglect- the learning, they're neglecting the davening. But one doesn't work without the other. The two go hand in hand. It's, it, it's really Revolba's kind of bemoaning a tragedy of people who are externally living the motions of a rote, observant Judaism. We're doing mitzvahs on the outside. We're learning Torah on the outside. We're going through the checklist of everything to be doing on the outside. But if it's not molding and shaping and refining and cultivating a more faithful person, then it's not working. It's all there to turn us into people of faith, of emunah and bitachon, to achieve a sense of dveikos, the Bashem I shared with you, that there's not 613 mitzvahs, there's really one mitzvah of clinging to Hashem, and there's 613 opportunities. The mitzvahs are invitations and opportunities to cling to Hashem, but at its core, the essence, the essential goal, is dveikos, is to cling to Hashem. So if I sit and I learn, I'm sitting and I'm steiging over learning, but I'm not connecting that learning to feeling closer to Hashem. The learning is not about what Hashem's vision is for His world. Two people walk in, they're both holding a garment. One says the whole thing belongs to me, the other one says the whole thing belongs to me. So what's the halacha? Who owns it? It's the beginning of the Gemara, so who owns it? So if I don't, some time in that process of analyzing and dissecting that sugya, if I don't say what we're trying to explore and arrive at is how does God see ownership and how does God see fairness and what does God think is the equitable thing to do here? Because all, it's all about how do I get closer to God by tapping into His vision for a perfect world. If I'm just learning it as an intellectual gymnastics and I'm not in the end connecting to Hashem, I'm lighting the menorah because light is nice and it dispels darkness and it's a hechatimtza to be able to get gifts and give out gifts and eat jelly donuts without feeling guilty. But Hanukkah is not about seeing Hashem in that light. It's not about seeing even the natural as supernatural. It's not about seeing the, using the light to see the blessings and the miracles all around me. Then what have I accomplished by going through the, ro- the motions and the road of lighting the menorah? So Revolba is bemoaning. That even when you're engaged in spirituality, like learning Torah or doing mitzvahs, but you're not davening for them, so I light the menorah, but I'm not tapped into the tefillah of Hanukkah, to the magic, to the spirituality of Hanukkah, then what am I doing? So it's amazing. You can have people who come to shul. And kola kavod, already they're getting up early. They're coming to shul every morning. They're engaged in davening. But the davening, he describes it, is dry. It's a dehydrated davening. It's dry. It's absent any energy, any enthusiasm, any presence. So the person's at shul, but they came a few minutes late. And they left a few minutes early. And they had a few conversations in the middle. And between the conversations, they checked their text messages. And yeah, at some point, they check off, you know, flew through the words of the sitter. But they never ever had a real conversation with Hashem about the day ahead or needing His help or gratitude for what, what success they had yesterday. Tefillah chatufa v'yevesha. They ran out after an abbreviated, abrupt davening that's dry. That person is robbing themselves 
of divine providence and intervention. Who knows? So what happens? The lawyer has scheduled to appear in court that afternoon. The doctor is going to do surgery that afternoon. The businessman is negotiating a deal that afternoon. Whatever the area of a person's profession. So they spent days or weeks or months preparing for the trial or for the surgery or preparing to make this, cut this deal. They prepared for months. They were up all hours of the night. And they even came to shul the day that they had to walk in. But the davening was dry and empty and rote and lacking. So the key ingredient to success they left out with all the preparation and with all the effort and all the initiative. And Revolba says, you think God needs your tefillahs? God doesn't need to hear you. But you deprived yourself. Imagine there was an expert lawyer. Imagine you had access to the top Harvard lawyer of all time. You could sit with the Supreme Court justice and say, I got a big trial tomorrow. Can you give me some advice? And you neglected that chance. Your surgeon, you had the opportunity to get the mumcha, the expert in the field, to give you advice what to do with this complicated surgery. A businessman, Warren Buffett, could, could advise you on what the best way to cut that deal is and what to invest in. You had the greatest chance and you neglected it with all your prep and all your effort and everything you did, but you neglected the number one thing that could have led to your success. You didn't punish Warren Buffett. You didn't punish the Supreme Court justice. You didn't punish the doctor who you didn't consult with. Who did you punish? Yourself. Yourself. Says Revolba, the same thing. When we fly through a davening, it's dry, it's empty, it's lacking, it's rote. With all the other prep we did for success and everything we're about to do, if you don't ask for help, then you deprived yourself. By not focusing and by not being, and by not being patient and present and mindful. I try to, every time I have to give a big speech on my way in, I have a little feel, I have a little conversation always with Hashem. So, put the right words in my mouth. Help me be marbek vod shemayim. I'm trying to simply inspire people to draw close to you and to achieve your mission for the world. I need your help. I need your help. Because I know you're only as good as your last speech and who says the next speech you give? <laughs> it's true. Believe me, I live with that, I won't say anxiety because I don't get anxiety from it, but I live with the acknowledgement that as easy as a speech flowed last time, you could be searching for the words or stumbling on the words or, or forgetting what you're about to say or lose your voice or a million things could go wrong. We can never take for granted that what we have will always have. Mm-hmm. And nor can we put in all the efforts. So you spend hours writing a speech and researching and, and reviewing drafts of it and you're ready to give it, but you forgot to say on the way in, Hashem, I need you. How many people spent hours and wrote many drafts and consulted and worked hard and practiced and memorized and fell flat on their face. So whatever area of life, the key ingredient, this is the the key thing, going into that business, going into everything, going into everything. From the mundane, putting all the ingredients into the potato kugel, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu, make the potato kugel, make my challahs rise exactly, make the challah not too watery, not too dry, make the whatever. Everything is Hashem. Somebody came to me recently, a young person, I was very inspired by the question itself, but a young person came and asked me, you know, Rabbi, I've, several people have asked this recently. There's so much going on in the world. There's people in our community who are terribly ill, people who have had tragic circumstances. There's 400 rockets fired in one day to Israel. Our brothers and sisters still sit under the threat of rocket fire. So I'm going to ask Hashem for my little insignificant, petty, nothing, stupid thing. Hashem, help me win my soccer game at school. Help me get in with the cool kids. Help me do well in my test. Or if you, you know, raise that a level to us, 
Hashem, help me get in with the cool women in shul. Hashem, help me. You know, whatever the parallel is in our lives. Help me afford that expensive pair of shoes I'm desperate for. Hashem, help my, no, more significant things. Help my marriage or help me get, help my son or daughter get into the Ivy League school, whatever it is. So like in contrast to those huge things, I'm going to ask Hashem for the small things. It's such a beautiful, thoughtful question in terms of its sensitivity. But I said, and I really believe this, from the depth of my heart, that you don't understand it's the exact opposite. You think that you're deferring to Hashem and His greatness and you're showing Him respect by saying, look, my things are petty, they're insignificant. I'll take care of it. You focus on the big things. But you're doing the opposite. You're insulting Hashem because you're suggesting He can't do it all. And Hashem can do it all. Hashem can make world peace and stop the rockets and heal the sick and also help you win your soccer game. Hashem could do it all. And all Hashem wants is to know, you know, when you dive into Hashem because someone's deathly ill, terminally ill, Hashem is impressed and He's grateful for those tefillos, but He also knows they're coming. He expects them. Because the whole community stops. When someone has terminal illness or this tragedy, who's not going to stop and dive in, in that moment? But when Hashem hears you turn to Him and say, I need your help to win my soccer game, He says, wow, this young girl, this young boy, even believes I helped them, I determined the outcome of their soccer game? Wow, I feel close to them right now. Wow. You don't prove that you believe in Hashem when you ask Him for the big things. You dafka prove that you believe in Hashem when you ask Him for the little things. When TiVo first came out, when I was a kid, there was a commercial. Um, a guy's watching a football game, and the game is tied with three seconds to go, and his team is going to try to kick a field goal to win the game. So the commercial for TiVo, because this was his new invention, was that he was able to pause the game. And in the commercial, he goes to church, and he gets down on his hands and knees, and he prays. And he comes home, and he presses play on TiVo, and they kick the winning field goal. Good. Leave out the Shilas about the timeline, of the game was in real time, and the prayer, and the free... Okay, leave out the Shilas. Can't ask, can't ask cashes on a commercial. But, but I used to use this in teaching about tefillah, is that commercial, is that, is that like uh, heretical or is that a beautiful display of faith? Right? Cut and replace the church with a shul. You're watching your favorite team and you freeze TiVo and you go to shul and you say Perikotillam and you come home. And you come back and watch and you press play. Is that a beautiful, beautiful thing? Is that a heretical thing? So most people would say, that's what you use your prayers for? That's what you're praying for? That's what you get kiviyachal on your hands and knees for? It's a terrible, terrible thing. And I say Adirabah. What a powerful thing. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing. Is there a greater message to a parent? So when a, when a child reaches out to a parent because they're in crisis, you know, I, have no, I can't pay for my apartment this month and I need your help. I can't pay my bills and I, I overspent and I miscalculated and I need your help. So it's a big chiddush the child reached out to the parent. You really feel loved as a parent because the, parent, the kid reached out for you then. But when the child reaches out and says, I have to make a big a decision and I want your advice. I need your help. I want to know what you think. I want to tap into your wisdom. Ooh, ah. I need to do something. I want to know how you do it. I want to do it the way you do it. Small, insignificant thing. I need to make the cake that you make, and I want to know how you do the cake. Do you heat the oil before you pour it in the potato cookie, or you pour it into the potato cookie while it's cold, the oil? Right? Stupid thing. When do you feel closer to the kid? When they ask you for the pet. The Rebbe Shalom is waiting for us. He knows we believe in him, not when we ask him for the, ooh, wow, world, uh, world peace. When we say, help me win the soccer game. That's when he knows we believe in him. So he's waiting for us to ask for help. Making the potato cook on the chalan, for shalom bias in our home, for nachas from our kids, for the health of our, our friends. When we're walking into the courtroom 
or the exam room or the business meeting or the supermarket or the gym. We're taking all the initiative. You could be driven and you could have ambition and you could be the biggest type A personality ever. But if you leave out that core ingredient of asking Hashem for help, the core ingredient of turning the key, you can't open the door and, and you know, you have this image, you open the door and it like pours out and overflows on top of you and you know, all the bracha, all the bracha, whatever bracha you need, it's health, it's pouring out of that, that treasury, it's money pouring out of that storehouse, whatever it is, but it's there, Kirish Baruch Hu's, he's, the account is full, you know, it's like, I'll end, I'll give you this, uh, this mushal, you're, you're meant to win the billion dollar lottery ticket, you're meant to win it. Because Baruch has determined those are the winning numbers. Well, you have to buy the ticket. If you don't have a ticket, in Shemayim it could be determined that you're the one who's supposed to get a billion dollars. You got to have the ticket. Even more. You might have won the ticket. Because Baruch gave you a billion dollars. But you got to bring it in. If you don't bring it in, you don't have access to the billion dollars. Because Baruch has designated for us Shefa Bracha. We have all kinds of blessing that we can't even dream or believe of. But we can't access it without turning in the ticket. And the way to turn in the ticket is through tefillah. Who knows the siyat b'deshmaya? So when you sit and you study and you learn, you only become a chacham when you couple it with prayer. And when you go work and you're killing it in work, you only succeed when you couple it with prayer. If you build your life on the foundation of trust and faith, you will succeed. And how do you build that foundation? By joining together effort and initiative with prayer. Work like it's all up to you, and pray like it's all up to Hashem. And when you do it together, the two in tandem, you will have success. And I want to close just by pointing out that you will have success doesn't mean you're going to leave here now and you're going to go work hard and you're going to go hard work and you're going to daven hard and you're going to come back in a week and you say, where's my billion dollars? <laughs> I'm working hard, I'm praying hard, where's my billion dollars? The yatsliach, the hatzlacha, is lav davka, the billion dollars. The hatzlacha is that you're going to feel like a billionaire. You're going to realize you have what you need. The combination of the amuna and the effort and the initiative is going to make you feel whatever I have is what I need. Whatever I have is, is what I deserve, is what I need. And Amir Tashem, we should all be zocha to feel that bracha in our lives. Amen.